Pour parler d'agriculture et d'Europe à la jeunesse. Le climat-wandel erfasst immer weitere Teile der Welt. Farmers help us bring nature back and preserve biodiversity. Ceux qui sont dans le rouge s'en sortent quand ils font plus vert. La qualité dans ce pays, elle doit être là pour tous. Amid all the crises we're enduring in Europe, there's one lying a bit below radar for most of us. It's the price and availability of agricultural fertiliser. First, there was the Covid pandemic, which disrupted production. Then the war in Ukraine dramatically affected supplies from it, and for ideologically different reasons, from Russia and Belarus. Then, on top, reduced Russian gas supplies. Ammonia, the key component of nitrates, is made from natural gas. It's a perfect storm, says French cereals farmer Cédric Benoit. All the benchmarks are upside down. We no longer know what decision farmers and economic organizations should make. Today, in terms of cash flow, needs are fourfold. If the cereal market should ever fall, we'll end up with what's known as the scissor effect. That's to say, negative margins. That's why everyone is scared. Today, November the 9th, the European Commission issued a communication proposing help for farmers and for the fertiliser industry to weather the storm and through it become more resilient, creative, modern and sustainable. Here, Agriculture Commissioner Janusz Wojciechowski explains what's at stake. We have the crisis situation in the agriculture that we need to solve in short-term perspective, which is the strengthening of the fertilizer industry, and long-term perspective to support our farmers because they play the main role to ensure food security for all society. We'll be hearing more from both speakers in this edition of Food for Europe dedicated to fertilizers. What are the short-term solutions? What are the medium and long-term goals on fertilizers? And how do they fit into the Green Deal and farm-to-fork strategy? With some answers in the village of Goudreville, situated on flat land about 100 kilometers south of Paris, is farmer Cédric Benoit. Hello, welcome, Paul. He farms 150 hectares of maize, durum and protein-enhanced wheat, and beets for sugar. After the pandemic, he says, many fertilizer factories remained closed when the rest of European industry was just picking up. Today we have about half of the factories closed in Europe. This means that potentially we will run out of fertilizer in the spring to ensure the nutrition of the plants. Fertilizers are used in the spring. This is the key. Plants grow best. Today, farmers find it difficult to make projections. Do I produce corn? Do I make malting barley, wheat? So those who haven't ordered supplies can't be sure to have fertilizer available to them. And what are the solutions for you, Cédric? In the short term, it's just to streamline the fertilizer market so that everyone has access, so economic organizations can go outside to source their supplies, because we no longer have access to fertilizers from the Eastern Bloc. And then there is the longer time frame, which means that we have to bet on innovation too, on the fertilizers of tomorrow, and that is inevitable. We all face the challenge of the decarbonization of society and the decarbonization of our means of production. 
What better place to test the innovation theory than in the wired-up tractor of Cedric as he sows wheat seeds in perfectly straight lines? Precision farming in action. Today, even in the modeling of nitrogen inputs, in the analysis of soil before we apply fertilizer, we are much more technical than we were 25 or 30 years ago. We have succeeded in maintaining productivity in beets while lowering the dosage of nitrogen. In fact, when it comes to sugar beet, we've already implemented the Green Deal's provisions. We have already optimized the quantities of nitrogen applied. So, without regulation, we are able to make sufficiently dynamic progress. Cedric Benoit, many thanks indeed, and do stay with us as we'll be coming back to you towards the end of the podcast. The man in Brussels finding and presenting the short-term solutions today is Janusz Wojciechowski. Polish Commissioner for Agriculture and Rural Development at the European Commission. Commissioner Wojciechowski, welcome to Food for Europe. Thank you very much. Good morning. Good uh, bonjour. Good and tag. Dzień dobry. Let me ask you first of all to describe what you're doing today and why. The purpose of the communication is to provide guidance to member states. It outlines the measures we have already taken and sets out further measures that can be taken in the short and medium term. Uh, In particular, we aim to work with member states on using their CAP strategic plans as much as possible for a more efficient use of fertilizers. There are plenty of actions for this purpose, including nutrient management plans, precision farming, organic farming, agroecology, increased use of leguminous crops in rotation schemes. In the long term, the most promising avenues are promoting access to organic fertilizers, including from waste, and supporting the green conversion of the European Union fertilizer industry. You speak about the threat to food security in Europe. How will crop production be affected in the coming planting season? And how could consumers also be affected? 50% of uh, global food production today depends on the use of mineral fertilizers based on uh, three key nutrients, nitrogen, phosphorus and potassium. Food security is a clear objective of the European Union set out in our treaties. The European Union is a powerful agriculture producer. This will not change uh, overnight and we do not have to fear shortage of food in the EU. But if our farmers lack fertilizer, this implies lower yields, meaning less food available produced. Uh, We can see an impact on higher food prices. Globally, it is not only an issue of affordability, but also availability and food security, especially in developing countries. In June 2022, the UN Global Crisis Response Group declared a global fertilizer crisis, indicating that it might jeopardize food production in the coming years, leading to a food availability crisis. Globally, higher fertilizers and food prices will severely affect developing countries, which often do not have the means to run expensive subsidy programs. 
At global level, the European Union has swiftly reacted to address food insecurity and to support farmers and fertilizer producers in the most vulnerable countries. In total, the European Union has committed to provide almost 8 billion euro until 2024 in support of the most affected populations in the world. What do you say to Russia's claims that European sanctions against it have caused this crisis, not its decision to cut gas supplies? Russia is engaging in campaigns to manipulate information and spread its propaganda. Their aim is to divert the responsibility for the food security crisis away from their illegal actions. Uh, we have to be very clear. Nothing in our sanctions aims to prevent Russia exporting fertilizers. What are the effective alternatives to mineral-based fertilizers for farmers? The Commission uh, Communications sets out a balance of all new alternatives. Some focus on a better use of fertilizers, precision farming, for example, or crop rotation practices. Others focus on the diversification of sources, bio-waste, organic materials, circular economy, etc. This is also potential in the green transition of the fertilizer industry. For example, basing the production process of nitrogen fertilizers on renewable energy and hydrogen to make uh, what is called green ammonia. Commissioner Wojciechowski, many thanks for joining us on Food for Europe. Thank you for your interest on, on this very important questions. We've heard from the farmers and the policymakers. What about the manufacturers? Joining us from the umbrella body, Fertilizers Europe, is Cecilia Dardes, the organization's agriculture and environment manager. Thank you for joining us, Cecilia. Thank you, Paul. Thank you very much for the invitation. You have your ear close to the ground. What are you hearing from farmers and fertilizer manufacturers? It has been a very challenging year for farmers, for European farmers, and for the fertilizer sector, which I represent. So what we experienced is, uh, uh, and I'm talking about figures of late August, uh, an increase in gas prices by uh, eight to 10 times compared to other parts of the world and also compared to the same period last year. Uh, which of course created a problem in terms of availability of fertilizers. Of course, farmers were left with uh, many uncertainties. Uh, so what we observed is a drop in consumption throughout Europe of uh, uh, for nitrogen fertilizers 11%. And uh, we are happy that the European Commission published the communication on fertilizers. Uh, however, this is a, a first step uh, that it's very much welcomed by the industry, but we need to start talking about long-term solution and how to make the industry um, more resilient and less dependent on uh, r Russian raw materials. What about the farmers? What can they do? Well, I think that farmers, from the discussion I had with the farmers' representative, are a bit uh, left uh, without a plan because, uh, as I said, they bought less fertilizer and they skipped the application of fertilizer, but this is not sustainable in the long run because uh, the soil needs to be uh, replenished with the nutrients in order to keep up the yield production. It's really a complicated uh, discussion because uh, we hear some voices about 
making up for possible shortages by using uh, uh, more organic alternatives. However, the farmers uh, know that this is uh, not a solution. I mean, we believe that uh, mineral inputs and organic inputs are complementary to each other. Uh, and the overall uh, goal has to uh, be to achieve a balanced level of fertilization by combining the two sources. There's a lot of talk about green ammonia. Could you explain what it is and, and what it does? So talking about green ammonia basically means to uh, produce ammonia using uh, renewable energies, so decarbonizing the production process of, uh, of fertilizer. And this is important because the industry is uh, committed to, to achieve the Green Deal objectives and to better environmental performances. It will not only help reducing the carbon footprint of our production, but also it will help shifting away uh, or um, decoupling from Russia. Cecilia Dardes from the trade organisation Fertilisers Europe, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Paul. It was my pleasure. At the cutting edge of research into one of the alternatives, bio-waste, is Kari Ilivainio, an agronomist, soil chemist and project coordinator of Lex for Bio, which receives funding from Horizon Europe. Kari Ilivainio, thank you for joining us from Finland. Thank you. Uh, very pleased to be here. Could you just outline, first of all, what your program is? When we consider the whole Europe, uh, we have very different uh, climatic conditions from Mediterranean regions up to north to Finland. And so we have different types of soils. And when we are combining these uh, soils and fertilizers, uh, we need to ensure that uh, these fertilizers are best for each regions. So in this project, we are testing these uh, di different types of fertilizers to have so-called site-specific fertilizers that fits best for each region in different uh, climatic conditions and soil conditions. And this way we can ensure that these nutrients will be utilized in a most efficient way and we will uh, uh, minimize losses to environment. How do you see the transition to greener innovations? Recent years, uh, there has been an increasing interest towards these bio-based fertilizers because they contain uh, plenty of nutrients and uh, these uh, climatic issues has become more and more important. If we can replace uh, nitrogen fertilizers, mineral nitrogen fertilizers, we can also reduce greenhouse gas emissions because it's a very energy intensive process to produce these fertilizers. And on the other hand, phosphorus is a finite natural resources which will eventually run out. So we need to utilize these side streams as efficiently as we can. Kari Ilivainio from Lex for Bio Research Project, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed this. Let's head back to France and to Cédric Benoit's farm just south of Paris, where he and his wife are feeding their goats. It's a momentary escape from the anguish of today's economic and geopolitical realities. But reminders are everywhere, including right here in the village. 
It's already a reality. The bakery in my village has closed because of an increase in flour prices, an increase in electricity prices to bake the bread. So in fact, it upsets the entire economic balance of the agri-food sector. We're talking about bread, but it's not just bread. Our sugar beets are also upset by the price of gas. So when we realize that we have food or a cost of food that can only increase today compared to the current situation, whether it's to do with raw materials, agricultural commodities, or energy prices. Cédric Boinet, thanks a lot for steering us through these issues. Our thanks, too, to Agriculture and Rural Development Commissioner Janusz Wojciechowski, Cecilia Dardes from Fertilizers Europe, and to Carrie Ilivainio from Next for Bio. Thank you, too, for tuning in to Food for Europe. You can download this podcast and the others in our series via all the main podcast platforms. Until the next time, goodbye from me, Paul Anderson. Organic farming is steadily increasing. That's good. Pour parler d'agriculture et d'Europe à la jeunesse. Der Klimawandel erfasst immer weitere Teile der Welt. Farmers help us bring nature back and preserve biodiversity. Ceux qui sont dans le rouge s'en sortent quand ils font plus vert. La qualité dans ce pays, elle doit être là pour tous. 